Welcome back, friends, to the I'm Open podcast. We have so many compelling and controversial topics to hit on today. We're going to be talking about whether or not I have the ability to see the future. Does our president understand the point of sports? And who is taking hockey fights to the next level? All coming up next on the I'm Open podcast. Exciting, exciting stuff. We're going to talk about the NFL draft just recently happened. For all of y'all in the I'm Open family who don't know, the NFL draft is the event, the process, in which all of the teams in the NFL get to choose the members of the college ranks to join their teams for the upcoming year. The players have no choice whatsoever as to which team they end up on. So for all you crazy fans out there, four years from now, when you're burning your draft picks jersey for deciding to go to a new team, just remember that he had no choice. He had no choice as to where he was going to play. Many of us, as free citizens of the world, get to choose where we live and where we work. This is not the case for athletes. They get drafted, and they have to go to that city. So please remember this next time. You're setting lighter fluid onto your former favorite player's jersey. Also, lighter fluid and tears don't really mix well. It's very dangerous, so be careful with that. So there's so many weird things going on with the NFL draft. It's just a weird process altogether. And one of the really weird things about it is the way that scouts, the way that pro scouts talk about these young men in college who they're drafting to come play in the NFL. Now, I thought it would be fun to bring in a guest, and today I've brought in Ariana to join the I'm Open podcast, and I'm going to quiz her and see if she knows what these different scouting terms mean. Say hi, Ariana, to the I'm Open public. Hi, and you failed to mention Ariana is David's girlfriend. She sure is. It's very, very exciting to have her on the show, and it's going to be really an incredible test for her, of her knowledge and her sports understanding. So, Ariana, we're going to start off. I've got some different terms here, and we're going to play a game called Nice or Not Nice. Not nice. Okay, so I'm going to tell you a different scouting term that is used for college football players getting ready to try to join the NFL. When professional coaches are scouting players in college, this is how they write a report every single time they watch a college player play. And that's the way they keep track of how they're doing. It's almost like a report card. So that's how they keep track of how they're doing and if they're going to be good enough to play in the NFL. Okay, so do the players know that they're being called this? The players do eventually figure it out. They might not know right off the bat... They might not know, like, right off the bat, like, what they're being scouted as, but eventually the scouting reports about the players come out to the public. And especially around this time when they're about to get drafted, these scouting reports come out to the public. So all of these things that I'm going to, all of these terms that I'm going to say for scouting, they've been used about certain players who are actually have just been drafted this season okay got it okay great so i'm going to start off just by reading you a term a scouting term to describe a football player and all you need to do is tell me whether you think that's nice or not nice nice. whether it's a compliment or a diss for that player okay start off a little with an easy one to have a bad face you think it's nice or not nice if a player is said to have a bad face 
Um, off first impressions, I would say um, it's not nice because I immediately think Butterface. But then also, if you're thinking of a football context, you know, maybe um, context, you could think of that as a positive defensively. So what's your final answer? I'm going to say nice. Wow, I thought it was starting out with an easy one, but no, that is not nice. nice. Just like in the real world, in the football world, it also is not nice to tell somebody they have a bad face. But with football, it doesn't just mean like you're straight up ugly, like a butterface in the real world. It more means like you look kind of awkward when you play. So if they say you have a bad face, it doesn't actually mean your face is ugly because it's hard to even see somebody's face with your helmet. It just kind of means like you look awkward when you're out on the field. Hmm. Okay, I get it now. Okay, second test. What about if they say a player is, quote-unquote, quicker than fast? Is that nice or not nice? Quicker than fast. Oh, that's nice. Quicker than fast. No, that's not nice. nice. I know it seems, when you first hear it, it seems like quicker than fast. You're even quicker than being fast. Is that the way you first interpreted it? Yes. Well, it's actually not True! That's not the way they mean it. It actually kind of means he's not that fast, he's quick, but he's not fast. So that's kind of a diss. I guess it's not bad to be quick, but everybody wants to be fast. Okay, makes sense. So, I'm sorry, 0 for 2. We're going to keep it rolling. I think this is your chance to redeem yourself. What about being a body catcher? And I don't mean catching bodies, like... I just caught a body, Randy Morse. Body catcher. Nice or not nice? Um... Obviously, if you're thinking about football logic, I think it's a nice quote because you want to catch those people before they run down the uh, yard line. Ooh, I'm sorry. That's actually wrong. It's also not nice. nice. And <laughs> Have I gotten a single one right? No, you're 0 for 3. It's not nice. <laughs> it's not nice. Body catcher is what they call somebody who lets the ball hit them in the chest before they try to catch it. And that's not really considered to be good form. You don't really want to catch with your body. That's not a good way to catch. You don't want to let the ball hit your body before it hits your hands. So I'm just curious if all of these are not nice things, why are we scouting all the not nice peeps? That's a great question. I think a lot of times when scouts are looking at college players, they're trying to look for the different flaws in their game and things to point out. But I agree with you. It's better to think positive. Right. Let's focus on more of the positive attributes. Come on. You are right about that. So we're going to follow up the number four. What about being a hands catcher? Nice or not nice? <laughs> a hands catcher? Well, now I'm like thinking of like a negative skew towards it. Hands catcher. Okay. My guess is what you're going to say is you're using way too much of your hand arch instead of your arm support. So it's actually not nice. Oh, you're wrong again. Actually, <laughs> it's nice. Hands catcher is nice. Nice. That's the first nice one we've had. Hands catcher is good. Hands catcher is like the opposite of body catcher. That means that instead of letting the football hit your chest or your stomach first, you reach out and grab it with your hands first. That's the way you want to do it. If you're a really great receiver in the NFL, you have really strong hands and you always catch with your hands before the ball hits your body. All right, well, I was originally going to say nice, but because we were doing all these twists and turns with not nice, you know, I corrected myself. Well, too bad you got it wrong. <laughs> now it makes sense. Okay, so hands catcher, and it does not mean come catch these hands. It's not fighting. It's about catching a football, and being a hands catcher is actually 
a compliment. Okay, we're going to keep moving on. So far, you're over four, but you'd still have a chance to redeem yourself. The next scouting report is, what if somebody is called a glass eater? And I don't mean grass eater like llamas and goats. I mean glass eater like broken bottles. Is that nice or not nice? Wow. I'm just trying to figure out what that translates to on the football field. Because immediately I was thinking maybe glass is correlated with grass and their head is getting smushed in the, the debris of the whatever. Um, I have no idea what that one stands for. I'm just going to say it is not nice. Ooh, wrong again. <laughs> wow. You really dug too deep under that one. I think you kind of like out-tricked yourself. Because it's nice. Nice. Being a glass eater is actually nice. I know it's kind of surprising, but it's nice. It's a compliment. Okay, why? Well, because that basically means you're really tough. If they call somebody a glass eater, that means you don't give a shit. You can handle anything, and you're so tough you would eat glass. Now, I hope, obviously, none of these people actually do eat glass, but the point is it means you're a real tough son of a gun, and it's a big compliment if you're a glass eater. Hmm, okay. So, so far you are 0 for 5, but it's not too late to redeem yourself with the next one. What if a player is called a rolling ball of butcher's knives? Nice or not nice? <laughs> rolling ball of butcher's knives. Wow, okay. Um, I can't even think of anything for that. Rolling ball of butcher's knives. Um, I'm just going to just go with the 50-50 chance here. Nice. Yes! You finally got it correct! Yes, it is nice. Being a rolling ball of butcher's knives is nice. Now, I know it sounds crazy, it sounds dangerous, but if they call you a rolling ball of butcher's knives, that means you're really hard to tackle. Think about it, Ariana. Would you want to try to tackle a rolling ball of butcher's knives if it was even possible to create something like that? Um, no. Good, that's the correct answer. It would be very painful and you get stabbed probably a hundred times. Right, so that's actually a big compliment. They used to call me a rolling ball of butcher's knives as well because nobody could bring me down. And that means nobody wants to get in your way, nobody could tackle you because it's dangerous, just like jumping in front of a rolling ball of butcher's knives if that was even possible to create. Though Elon Musk is probably working on it already. It's just strange. You suddenly have all these nicknames. I went to high school with you. I've never heard anyone call you any of these nicknames. Well, you've never tried to tackle me before. That's probably why. (laughs) Okay. All right, so you finally got your first one. Next one. You're doing great. You finally got your first one. What if they say that somebody has tight skin? Tight skin. Is that nice or not nice to have tight skin? Uh, I just, I don't even know anymore. You gotta uh, guess. Um, I'm just gonna I'm I'm gonna guess that it's nice because maybe um, you're not letting the ball fly through the, through your hands or something like that. Ooh, I'm sorry. It's actually not nice. Not nice. No, I know. When I heard it, I was like, tight skin. That kind of sounds nice. Like your skin's skin's not saggy, right? And nobody really wants saggy skin. Mm-hmm. So at first I was like, maybe that means you're muscular, and maybe that's good. But actually, it's not really good. If you have tight skin, that means they think that you're kind of skinny. 
and you don't really have a chance to grow muscle. So they always look, it's kind of weird the way they look at these young guys' bodies. Honestly, it's a little bit creepy, but they always look at their frame and see if they have the ability to like add on muscle. So they'll look at like a 20-year-old kid and be like, okay, by the time it's 26, do we think we can have him gain like 30 or 40 pounds? And they try to like predict that, which is weird. Obviously, you can't predict that. But if you have tight skin, that kind of means like they don't really think the guy can really put on that much weight. He's already kind of reached his full weight, and he can't get that much bigger when he goes pro. Right, and I'm sure, I guess there's sometimes where, like, maybe they don't expect them to grow weight, and then they do, and then they end up being a better player than they thought they were when they recruited them? I'm sure there is, and that's kind of the creepy and weird thing about scouting and just the odd thing. It's like they'll be trying to guess based on somebody's shoulders, based on somebody's hand size, based on whether somebody was in the choir in high school, and they try to, like, assume whether they're going to be a good player or not. And at the end of the day, these guys can't predict the future. These guys don't know, like how hard the kids are going to try when they make it to the pros or whether they're going to make good plays or not or, you know, fall under pressure. So there's really no way they can know. They try to use all these different weird little tactics to try to guess whether they're going to be good or not. Okay. All right, you ready? Just got a couple more. What if they call somebody a football-playing Jesse? Is that nice or not nice to be called a football-playing Jesse? Football-playing Jesse? Yeah, like the name Jesse. And it's not... It's not playing, football playing, no G, please. Football playing, Jesse, is that nice or not nice? Um, I'm just going to say not nice. You know, that one is just kind of unclear to me what it even means. So that was kind of a trick question, and I'm sorry. I don't really know if it's nice or not nice. Sometimes you'll hear them call people football playing Jessies, and isn't everybody just a football playing Jesse who plays football? seems like just somebody who likes to play football. I'm kind of confused about why they even call people this. Yeah, I mean, I just think of the song Jesse's Girl. That's what I was singing in my head, so. Well, that's nice. I I think sometimes these scouts just run out of things to say, and they're like, oh, he plays football. He's a football playing Jesse. And sometimes, I mean, that goes to the point of a lot of these things. How do you say somebody has a bad face or tight skin or something? I think a lot of times they're just pulling these out of their ass so they have something to write on their reports, like I used to do with all my book reports. All right, let's keep... All right, and here's the last one. You have a really big chance to redeem yourself. What if they say that somebody has oily hips? Oily hips. Is that nice or not nice to have oily hips? All right, I got this one. I got this one. And I'm pretty sure I'm going to get it right in my analyzation, too. Which is, it is nice. Because if a defender is grabbing someone and they're trying to take them down, they squeeze right through and they keep running. That is correct. It is nice. It is nice. Now, you're not exactly right on the interpretation of what it means, but you're very close. If somebody has oily hips, that means that they're very smooth, very fluid. It's not like having oily skin, which is obviously not nice. But it means that your hips are really fluid. You can change directions really quick in just a split second. And it's really easy for your body to move from one direction to the other. So you got that one right. It is nice. Congratulations. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you so much, Ariana, for coming on to the I'm Open podcast, for doing your very best. And all I can say is you were very nice. Congratulations. Thank you, sir. Didn't take much effort. Well, we would love to have you come back on the I'm Open podcast whenever you have the opportunity. I mean, we live together, so it's not going to be hard. Thank you so much. I'll see you later.
I'm Open Podcast. Don't really like patting our backs too much, but sometimes we just don't have a choice. All of our fans have been reaching out and wondering, I'm Open Podcast. David, Casey, can you guys see the future? What is going on here? As we have hit topics, as we have discussed different relevant news stories and sometimes irrelevant news stories in the sports world, they have come to fruition and we have even sort of predicted some things that might happen. Just a couple weeks ago, Becky Hammond was the mask off performer of the week. Now she as I told you, is going to be the first NBA female head coach. And she had just rejected a job from Colorado State University. That's her alma mater, to be the head coach there. Now, in the time since that podcast has come out, obviously some folks in high places in the NBA also listen to the pod. Because since then, Becky Hammond has had her first interview with the Milwaukee Bucks to become their new head coach. Now, I'm not saying that it's a lock that Becky will be their head coach, but already she's the first woman to interview for the head coaching position for the NBA. And she is already breaking barriers every day just by being in that locker room, just by being on the sideline with one of the most successful franchises in the NBA. Like I said before, we got your back. We called it first. And even if the Bucks aren't smart enough to hire Becky, we are very confident that some team will pounce soon enough and have that lady running their team. That's pretty awesome, but it does not stop there. We talked about Meek Mill. We were wondering, how come so many people are visiting Meek Mill? How come even Robert Kraft, how does he even know Meek Mill? Well, just a couple days after Robert Kraft visited Meek Mill, he was freed. Now, we predicted that maybe Meek was going to put in a good word and hope that Rob would help him out. I'm not saying Rob directly helped Meek Mill get out. I'm just saying, after we speculated about this whole situation, Meek Mill was freed. And guess who he was hanging out with? None other than Robert Kraft. They were spotted courtside in Boston for the Philadelphia 76ers playoff matchup against the Boston Celtics. They were spotted in Boston together courtside, the two of those guys and Gucci Mane, who I had to do a quadruple take to recognize because he's just lost so much weight. Way to go, Gooch. We're proud of you. You're looking trim. But I'm Open Podcast predicting the future. We don't try to do this. I'm sorry. We're just calling it like we see it. But when it happens, we can't control it. So we got to acknowledge it. The last thing, Tristan Thompson. We were talking about how Cavs fans had been booing him. The Kardashian family had also probably been booing him. He had not been playing well. Even LeBron James was probably booing him. But, as we discussed on the podcast, all he really needed to do, all Tristan really needed to do, was play well and win, and all of his sins would be forgotten. Well, guess what, ladies and gentlemen? Khloe Kardashian was spotted back in Cleveland, back with her baby daddy, soon-to-be husband, Tristan Thompson, together, all smiles from the both of them, She was at the game, watching and supporting him, and guess what? After falling out of the rotation and barely playing, Tristan is back in the lineup, not starting lineup, but hey, this is a step forward. At least he's not stuck on the bench for the entire game. He's back, playing well, putting in good effort, and guess what? When you produce, you are forgiven. That's the way it works in America. So, Tristan, you gotta... Hand it to him for keeping his head up amidst all this craziness, amidst this TMZ storm that's been surrounding him. I'm not giving him props for cheating. That's not what I'm saying. I like to see people succeed, no matter who they are. We're happy for them that they were able to put this behind them and join together 
in what hopefully will be a really fruitful partnership to be great parents for their new child. Someone you might call the Kardashian of politics is the current president of the United States. Mr. Trump has done something incredible that somehow no president has even managed to do before. And this is something that, this is even beyond me, how he was able to pull this one off. Donald, you are truly one of a kind. Now, we know that politics is always something that's divisive. Sports always seems like a way to unite people. Sports always seems like a way for presidents to just meet the middle ground and make everybody happy. Now, there's been a long-standing tradition of presidents inviting champions of various sporting leagues and events to come and celebrate their championship at the White House with the president. There's a tradition of presidents throwing out first pitches at baseball games, of presidents flipping coins. So sports can be a great uniting factor. But still, somehow, Donald Trump has found out a way to make sports divisive. First of all, he got in trouble with FIFA. Donald Trump made a very thinly veiled threat to countries who are considering not supporting the United States bid to host the World Cup in 2026. Now, the ironic thing about this, before we even get started, is that the United States is bidding to host the World Cup in conjunction with Canada and Mexico. North America is applying as a team. Even though Trump is trying to build a wall to block the entire United States-Mexico border, still... He has to collaborate with Mexico in this area, and that is to host the World Cup, because we're working together on that. Now, Trump said, I hope all African countries and countries throughout the world that we also will supporting you, and they will likewise support us in our bid for the 2026 World Cup. That was when he met with Nigerian President Mamadou Buhari, who was visiting the United States. He also said, we will be watching very closely, and any help they can give us we would appreciate. This is one of the thinnest veiled threats I have ever heard or seen. He's basically saying, we support you guys, and if you want it to stay that way, y'all better support us or else something is about to go down and we're not going to be happy about it. Now, this isn't even the first time that Trump has made references to this World Cup bid. He already tweeted, the U.S. has put together a strong, all caps, bid with Canada and Mexico for the 2026 World Cup. It would be a shame if countries that we always support were to lobby against the U.S. bid. Why should we be supporting these countries when they don't support us? That is the classic threat. That reminds me of something my mom might say to me. It would just be a shame if you don't clean up your messy room. It sounds like a threat. It sounds like a threat. And FIFA actually had to come back on Trump when they said, as a general rule, we cannot comment on specific statements in connection with the bidding process. The rules contain an explicit warning against activities by bidding country governments which may adversely affect the integrity of the bidding process and create an undue influence on said bidding process. Well, I think it's pretty damn clear that's exactly what Donald Trump is trying to do. But rules have never really concerned him much in the 
the past, so obviously that's still the case. I guess one positive is Trump is forced to team up with Mexico and say something nice about Mexico, which is a surprise. But Trump, he did not stop there. He was still meddling his thick, short little fingers in the sports world. And Trump decided to start a beef probably without even knowing it. I don't see how anybody could be against this organization. And that's the Paralympics. It's awesome. The Paralympics is an awesome, awesome event that's held every time the Olympics are held directly after the Olympics to celebrate the athleticism, the perseverance, the endurance, and the will, the strong will of Paralympic athletes. And this is just such an uplifting event. Turn it on, literally any single event, and you might be brought to tears with the inspiration, the support amongst these athletes. Now, being against the Paralympics is like being against puppies, or being against free ice cream, or being against sunshiny 74 degree days and beautiful breeze. Okay, we just don't get it. We just don't get it. So Donald Trump, he said, what happened at the Paralympics was so incredible and inspiring to me. Okay, so far that's okay. Then he says, and I watched. It's a little tough to watch, too much, but I watched as much as I could. Now, Donald... Oh, God, I know you've never been a person to take advice, and I know you've never been a person to worry about hurting people's feelings, and I know you've never been a person to really worry about being right or being morally acceptable. But this is really pushing it to a new level. Come on, how are you going to say that it is tough to watch the Paralympics? These people are incredible athletes, and you know what? Even if you didn't watch it, that's just don't say that. Just don't say that. Okay? Just don't be a jerk. Now, I'm really glad, though, the Paralympic Games came back on Donald Trump. They said, record numbers around the world are not finding the Paralympics tough to watch. Billions of viewers now taking the Paralympics in hundreds of countries around the world. We hope the U.S. president continues to watch and be inspired by the Paralympics. Very classy response. Great way to defend their athletes who have worked way, way, way too hard. Something our president doesn't have any experience doing. So I'm glad they were able to just shake that one off. And I'm glad they were able to take the high road and let the president know where he was sadly mistaken. I can't believe I'm saying this, but the University of Toledo Athletic Department might want to reach out to Donald Trump for his advice, because they have now put out into the world a tweet that they will probably regret, and that is one thing that he's got a lot of experience with himself. It all started off when the University of Toledo Athletic Department tweeted out an image of Shrek with the caption, if this gets 500,000 retweets, we'll change our mascot to Shrek. This tweet started blowing up. It got to a point where they were getting roughly 1,000 tweets a minute. And this thing was rocketing, no pun intended, towards reaching the 500,000 goal. Right now, their name is the Toledo Rockets. That's a pretty 
cool nickname already. So I don't really know why they felt like they needed a whole brand reimagination. Rockets is a pretty cool nickname. It's fun. It's not the most creative. Obviously, there are other teams called the Rockets. There's a much more famous team who have the Houston Rockets. But at least it's not something so bland and boring that a million other schools have it, like Tigers or Bears or Wildcats. I'm not really sure what spurred this. I don't know if this was really just a troll to gain some traction for the University of Toledo because nobody really talks about University of Toledo. But now we are. You're welcome, University of Toledo. We are. Welcome to the I'm Open podcast. Here's the thing, though. They realized they weren't really about it, though, right? They put the tweet out. Oh, shit. People liked our tweet. Oh, shit. Too many people liked our tweet. And then somebody must have said, look, man, we're getting too close. We're getting too close. We got to take this down. We got to take this down. They were already at about 100,000 tweets. They were about one-fifth of the way there. They did not even leave the tweet up for that long. Like I said, it was getting back 1,000 tweets, uh, retweets a minute, and it was building momentum. Here's the thing. Even if it worked out, even if they got to the 500,000, obviously, even if this tweet had gotten retweeted 5 million times, they still wouldn't have been able to make Shrek their mascot because DreamWorks Animation owns the trademark to Shrek. Okay, so I like this idea. I like this way to create buzz. I like the creativity. I would love to see more non-traditional mascots from different teams. But I think Rocky the Rocket is really in need of an apology letter because he's been serving your school with all of his heart and soul. And to just go throw him out like that just for a new cartoon ogre that doesn't really have any clear connection to your city or your university, it's a little disrespectful. So now our travels take us to the world of hockey in the NHL. And I bet you're surprised because we don't really normally do hockey topics on the I'm Open podcast. And that's not because we hate hockey. It's just because we don't really like it, okay? That's okay. It's just not that interesting to us. But now there is something interesting going on. So, of course, we're not biased. We're open. That's why it's the name of the damn show. We're very open, okay? So today we are going to be talking about hockey. You're welcome to my hockey fans out there. We're going to be talking about Boston Bruins left wing Brad Marchand. Brad, he's been a talented hockey player. He's not new to the game. And this isn't the only reason he's famous, but this is the only reason I really care about him. So, just a couple weeks ago, in the beginning of the playoffs, the Bruins were playing against the Toronto Maple Leafs. But the interesting thing that came out of that series was that Brad Marchand actually licked one of his opponents. And by lick, I don't mean with his fist, I mean he really licked him with his tongue. Brad Marchand's first licking incident came with forward Leo Komarov of the Toronto Maple Leafs. He licked Leo straight on the neck, and after the game, when reporters asked him, he said, I thought he just wanted to cuddle. I just wanted to get close to him. He keeps trying to get close to me. I don't know if he's got a thing for me or what. He's cute. As you, our audience, know by now, we love jokes. We're all about jokes here at the I'm Open Podcast. We're very pro-jokes. We love that he's joking with the media. We love that he's joking with Komarov, and we love that he doesn't feel like he needs to be 
too manly, he doesn't have that fragile masculinity where he can't joke around about cuddling with another dude or saying another dude's cute. He knows it's a part of the game. He's just trying to get into his head. That's pretty interesting. Now, he wasn't done there, though. The following series, the Boston Bruins got matched up against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Brad started to get into it a little bit with Ryan Callahan, a forward for the Lightning. Callahan started punching Marchand in the face, and instead of punching him back, Brad Marchand just went straight up and licked him straight from his chin to his nose. He got him straight with a big sloppy slurp just like your puppy might give you when you get home from work. And that rhymed by accident. Everybody was getting pissed off. Everybody was freaking out. The NHL main office had to have a chat with Brad, tell him not to do that anymore. Even his coach said, if part of your MO is to annoy people, fine. Then find a different way to annoy them, preferably by scoring some goals. That would be the best way. I do understand that. Marchand, he personally, he's a little frustrated. He can't lick anymore. He said, it is what it is. I think it's pretty stupid, the whole situation. But if that's what they want to do, it's what they want to do. He can't believe they're not letting him lick. The man is just trying to find a way within the rules of the game to have an advantage over his opponent. Obviously, it didn't work out because the Boston Bruins lost four games to one to the Tampa Bay Lightning and are now eliminated. How come hockey players get away with so much more than other athletes? Now, I know that... Hockey players are known to be rough and tumble. They like to grow their playoff beards. They like to lose their teeth. They're rough guys, okay? I understand. They hit each other. They don't wear masks. They fall down on ice all the time. I get it. But if basketball players licked each other, they would definitely be kicked out of the game. Or football players. They, they couldn't even get to that. I mean, basketball players get kicked out of a game just for using profanities. Football players get kicked out of the game just for dancing. And somehow, hockey players can punch each other in the face, lick each other, throw each other on the floor, take their helmets off, take their gloves off, probably moon the audience. I don't even know how far they could push it without getting reprimanded. If you know us at the I'm Open Podcast, you know that we love brothers and we love sisters. We love siblings who support each other and love each other. That's really inspiring and that's really awesome to us. Our very first episode of the I'm Open podcast, we shouted out the power rankings, the top siblings in sports, which of course was dominated by the Williams sisters, Venus and Serena. We still love you and you're still number one. So don't worry everyone, there's not going to be a new power rankings, but we had to give a shout out to some special siblings who have really making some news late and are making a serious run of being considered for the top five of the rankings. First of all, we're going to stop in Houston with Chris Paul. Now, Chris Paul, his brother's not really an athlete. Now, he might be a good athlete, but he's not a professional athlete. He's mostly famous for being Chris Paul's brother, but he's a very supportive brother. According to Chris, he has been at every single game of his playoff career. Every single time that Chris Paul has been in the playoffs, CJ Paul, his brother, has been there to watch and support his brother. No, that's just awesome, and that's inspiring, and I'm almost starting to get a little teary-eyed right now. That's just great brotherhood. During Game 4 of the Rockets playoff series against the Utah Jazz, CJ Paul almost got ejected from the arena. They were in Utah. Apparently, one of the fans, he was yelling expletives, and the ref thought it was C.J. Paul 
Chris's brother. According to CJ, he remembers this ref, James Williams, when from when he used to play basketball for South Carolina Upstate when he was in college. He thinks this might be some sort of a personal vendetta he was holding against CJ. Either way, the ref, James Williams, looked over to the sideline and he thought that the person making those rude remarks during the game was C.J. Paul, Chris's brother. So he said, you're out of here. You're not allowed in the game. Chris Paul, his brother, had to step in. He left his place on the sideline. He said, I saw them trying to pull my brother out. That's out. That's out. There may not be many playoff games I've played in, but he's been at all of them. That's out. So... Chris went, intervened with security of the arena there in Salt Lake City, and he let them know, no, 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 my brother, CJ, needs to stay. You better not kick him out, because I need him here to support me during the game. Well, Chris Paul, he stood up for his brother. They let him stay. They let him watch the rest of the game, and the Houston Rockets won. So that brotherly love propelled Chris to victory. Some other siblings making big news brings us back to the NFL draft. Now, this was a historical and historic NFL draft for a couple reasons, but the siblings highlighted the most heartwarming stories of the draft. The Edmonds brothers who played together at Virginia Tech. Tremaine Edmonds and Terrell Edmonds played together with their older brother, Trey Edmonds, at Virginia Tech. That's already awesome. Not two brothers, but three. They all played together at co- in college. That is great. Their dad was a professional football player, and we all love seeing brothers suiting up together on the field. That's just fun to watch. The Edmonds brothers, shout out to them because they became the first pair of brothers ever to both be selected in the first round of the same NFL draft. Tremaine was drafted number 16 overall to the Buffalo Bills, and Terrell, his older brother, went after him, number 28, to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Pretty awesome. These two brothers made history. You know, we'll be looking out for these Edmonds brothers representing the DMV in the NFL and representing brothers around the world. That's pretty dope. Luckily, Terrell wasn't even mad that his little brother, Tremaine, got drafted in front of him. He was just so supportive and happy. I can personally tell you I would be pretty pissed if somebody drafted my little brother ahead of me. I'm glad these brothers are so supportive. That's a pretty heartwarming story about brothers, but it's still not even the most exciting story about brothers that happened. And this was also through the NFL draft. The two Griffin twins. They're from South Florida. Shaquille Griffin and Shaquem Griffin. Now, Shaquille Griffin was a high pick for the Seahawks just last year. And he played together with his brother, Shaquem at the University of Central Florida, where they were both superstars. Now, Shaquem Griffin, he had a little bit of a harder time. Even though they're twins, he didn't get as much playing time as his brother Shaquille, and he didn't go to the NFL as early as his brother Shaquille. Now, part of the reason why, Shaquem only has one hand. He, since he was a young man, since he was a boy, has been playing football with his left arm stops in the middle of his forearm. And 
he has still been dominating football at all ages, and he's been a superstar. He's been one of the most respected players in college football, and he has earned his place, and now he has earned his place in the NFL. And the special, special thing about this is the Griffin brothers will now be reunited, and they both get to play together for the Seattle Seahawks. I was so excited about Shaquem Griffin breaking barriers. He dominated the draft combine, which is where you do different workouts, lifting, running. He ran the 40-yard dash in 4.38 seconds, which is incredibly fast. Anything under 4.4 is considered to be blazing speed. He also bench-pressed 225 pounds 20 times that's with one hand we've been cheering for him here at the i'm open podcast throughout the entire process he is so inspiring and the way he speaks about his role in society and in america uplifting other kids to let them know that anything is possible and it truly is this man has been dominating football since he was a kid and we cannot wait to see him dominating for the seattle seahawks next to his brother Before we go, you know I'm open family that we cannot leave without announcing our Mask Off Performer of the Week. Of course, this Mask Off Award always goes to somebody in the sports world who has revealed something new about themselves and taken their mask off in recent weeks. This segment is inspired by none other than Future. Mask on. Fuck it, mask off. Mask off. Fuck it, mask off. So this week, the Mask Off Award goes to none other than Mitt Romney. Yeah, I know what you're thinking. Is there another Mitt Romney who's good at sports who didn't run for president? The answer is no. I am talking about the one and only Mitt Romney. Even if you go to his Wikipedia page, it says not particularly athletic. He also did not distinguish himself academically. Not even close to a glowing review for young Mitt. Though he was the manager of the ice hockey team and a member of the pep squad at Cranbrook, excuse me, Cranbrook School, a fancy Nancy prep school for boys outside of Detroit. Mitt has injected himself into the sports world in a new and intriguing way, and that is by starting a fledgling beef with NBA superstar Russell Westbrook. Russell won the MVP last season. He plays for the Oklahoma City Thunder. And they just wrapped up a series against the Utah Jazz, which Utah won. They defeated the Thunder. So, for a little background on Russell Westbrook, the other person who he was known to have a famous beef with is Kevin Durant, who was his former teammate. And he left for greener pastures in San Francisco with the Golden State Warriors. He left Oklahoma City city. Smart choice, because he gets to live in San Francisco, and he doesn't have to live in Oklahoma, and he won the championship. But anyway, Russell does not like fair-weather fans. He's all about loyalty. Stick with the one who brung ya, even though, as we mentioned before, you don't get to choose who drafted you, so it's these guys need a little bit of agency. So it totally makes sense that he and Mitt Romney are beefing, because Mitt Romney, he has fled and fled and fled for greener pastures at every opportunity. Like I mentioned before, he is from Michigan, where his 
father was the governor. But is he known for being a politician representing Michigan? No, he's not. He was actually the governor of the state of Massachusetts. And now Mitt is back in the news and he's actually running for Senate. But no, it's not in Massachusetts. It's not in Michigan either. It's actually in Utah. Also, just a small side note here. Mitt Romney actually has a section of his Wikipedia page. Y'all can find it at wikipedia.org and then look in Mitt Romney. You know how it works. Anyway, he actually has a section in his Wikipedia page entitled Minor Political Issues. Minor political issues. And I've got to bring it to light on the pod, even though it really doesn't have much to do with sports. A state park ranger in 1981 told Romney his motorboat had an insufficiently visible license number and that he would face a $50 fine if he took the boat onto the lake. Disagreeing about the license and wanting to continue a family outing, Romney took it out anyway, saying he would pay the fine. The ranger then arrested him for disorderly conduct. The charges were dropped several days later. So I guess that is kind of sports, that the motorboating might be Mitt's most successful sporting experience, and hey, didn't learn anything new about Mitt, even though we learned about this new experience, classic spoiled white dude action, yelling at the park ranger and refusing to do it, and just saying you'll pay the fine. Then, just a couple years later, in 1983, on a 12-hour family road trip, he placed the family's dog in a windshield-equipped carrier on the roof of their car, and then washed the dog and the carrier after the dog suffered a bout of diarrhea. Now, this story is true. You can all see it for yourselves on his Wikipedia page. I'm a little confused about whether there were legal ramifications for his dog diarrhea flying off the roof of his car on the highway, but I wish that came out in the time of memes and GIFs because that would have created some crazy TMZ video footage. Final fun fact about Mitt Romney, he's got five kids, all boys. There's actually a website, Mitt Romney Sons. Dot com. Don't try to type in Mitt Romney's sons. It's just Mitt Romney sons. Okay, one S. MittRomneySons.com. They've got their own website. The subtitle is Five Sons That Don't Smoke, Don't Drink, and Are All Married. That's something I hope that I one day have as well. The latest update on the website, which came November 6th, 2012, says Obama defeated Romney in the election. I'm so sorry about that to all the followers of the Mitt Romney Sons page. But he's got five sons, Tag, Matt, Josh, Ben, and Craig. One thing I'm just really, really wondering about, how come you named your first son Tag, this crazy-ass name, and then you just went back to sort of normal, just very, very basic names, Craig, Matt, Josh, and Ben? This dropped the first clue for me. So did the dog diarrhea. So did the park ranger scruffle that he had. Mid is a troll. Mid is a big time troll. Okay, he named his first son Tag just to troll the guy. And then when people thought he was going to have five other crazy sons like Sarah Palin's Ref and Biff and Morph and, and Gun and Bark and all types of different crazy names, he just decided to go with normal, kind of normal white bread names. Josh, Matt, and Craig and Ben. And Mitt Romney has kept his trolling rolling, even today. So he was in Utah campaigning and making his presence heard as the Utah Jazz battled against the Oklahoma City Thunder. Russell Westbrook, the superstar for the Thunder, he had a foul called against him during a game in Utah. Mitt was sitting right on the side of the court and he taunted and taunted and taunted Russell like no other, waving the number four in front of Russell's 
face because that was his fourth foul. And he was getting hyped, trying to endear himself to the Utah fans and not endear himself to Russell Westbrook. Well, it definitely worked, and Mitt even had a customized Utah Jazz jersey that says Romney and has the number five on the back, presumably because of his his five non-drinking boys. So Mitt had his own customized Utah Jazz jersey. He was dissing Russell Westbrook, and you might think, wow, this is one of the most curious beefs. I never would have expected this. But the beef continues because just last weekend, the Met Gala happened. And guess who was there? None other than Mitt Romney. Now, Russell Westbrook has been known to be the fashionista of the NBA. Every single time he shows up to the game wearing some sort of crazy different outfit, scarves and sunglasses and leopard print and pants with a million rips on them and 38 pockets on the sleeves of his jackets and all sorts of crazy stuff. He's really a avant-garde style man ahead of his times and he's really a trendsetter. So, Mitt, he couldn't resist his troll of Russell. He showed up at the Met Gala wearing a suit he bought off of Amazon. Amazon Amazon.com. You're familiar, I'm sure. Russell, I don't think he was there. And Mitt just had to go just to troll. Not only did the Utah Jazz knock out Russell's Oklahoma City Thunder, Mitt also had to go to the Met Gala and troll Russell as well. Mitt was there in his internet clothes. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the way you troll. So that's why Mitt Romney is our Mask Off Performer of the Week. Thanks again, I'm Open Family, for joining us for the I'm Open podcast. It's always our pleasure to just get to spend a little bit of your day together with you. Everybody, have a great night, and uh, stay open, okay? Okay.